1: And the Blues are into the final four. Chelsea march on in Europe, brushing Porto aside in the quarterfinals.
2: And Operation Istanbul remains on course.
3: It's a very, very big achievement. And you see when we, when, when Chelsea has been last time in semi finals. So you're not used to be there. And uh, once you are there, you, you play for the final. This is straight out of Cobham, the Chelsea FC podcast from The Athletic. On this episode, Chelsea pass Porto to book a place in the last four of the Champions League. We look ahead to the FA Cup semi-final, answer your questions and round up the rest of the Blues news. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is straight out of Cobham. Hey listener, hope you're well. Matt Davis-Adams here. We're slightly later than usual this week to allow us to reflect on the Porto game. I'll do that in the company of The Athletic's Chelsea experts. Liam Toomey is here.
4: Hello. Don't we all prefer tactical fouls to goals these days? <laughs>
3: yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, Simon Johnson's also with us. How you doing, Simon? Greetings. And, of course, Dominic Fifield. Hi, Dom. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Uh, all right, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about last night, then. So Chelsea returned to Seville on Tuesday for the second leg of their Champions League quarter-final with Porto. The Blues suffered a one-nil defeat on the night to go through 2-1 on aggregate after Tarimi's late wonder strike. Uh, actually, Dom, I say wonder strike. Where do you stand on
5: that, Worldie or Shinna? I thought it was a worldie. I watched it twice. I thought it. I thought actually it was a worldie. I don't think he leapt into that um, overhead believing he was going to make proper contact with it, but. It, Given that the proximity of bodies near him, I thought it was a hell of a, a hell of a uh, improvisation um, and completely out of keeping with the rest of the, uh, of the evening. To be honest, <laughs> yeah,
3: absolutely. Um, in terms of team selection, Liam, you, you were reporting on this game for the Athletics. Do you think Thomas Tuchel got it right? A couple of big calls for him. Kovacic pulling out injured late on, so Kante came in. Thiago Silva for the not quite ready Christensen. And your boy Kai Havertz in, uh, in the nine again, I suppose, the, the main talking points.
4: Yeah, I think the big selection decisions were made for him in the build-up, weren't they? Um, with Kovacic's injury, Christensen's fitness concerns. I think Tuchel would probably always lean towards playing Thiago Silva in a game of this magnitude. That's the reason why he was brought to Chelsea in the first place, was for nights like this one. And of course, if you don't even bring Billy Gilmore to Spain which is a mysterious decision that we still haven't had a proper explanation for. It was a bit of a shame Tuchel wasn't asked about it in his post-match press conference. Then Jorginho and Kante was the only real option. And Chelsea were reduced to, as they were in Baku in the summer of 2019, hoping that N'Golo Kante had enough for 90 minutes. And once again, the answer was an emphatic yes. I thought he was excellent in the game. And he might have only been able to do the work of one man rather than two. Bet he was still one of the one of the better players on, on the pitch in a pretty disjointed game that was, wasn't very good to watch.
3: A moment's reflection in memory of Christian Pulisic's ankles. Um Simon, was was he man of the match or did Jorginho just pip him?
1: I mean, it, it was it's a tough one to, I, I actually gave man of the match the referees whistle, that's what I said on Twitter. Because <laughs> he broke up play so brilliantly. Um it was one of those games it was very tough to give a man of the match to, to be honest. I, I actually I saw there was a lot of praise for Jorginho. I actually thought I'm not saying he had a bad game but I actually thought that one of the issues that Chelsea had in terms of posing an attacking threat is that they dwelled they were a bit slow on the ball or passes were not sharp not directed very well enough and and he came into that category so did Conte to be honest there was was one moment where where Ben Chilwell made this tremendous run and he's totally unmarked and, and Conte knocked it straight out of play for a goal kick which was a bit frustrating but to be honest, it was one of those games where it didn't really matter. Um Porto Porto were just so it was bizarre. It was like it was like they were playing the first leg. That they weren't 2 0 down. They they seemed that their only tactic was to stop Chelsea from playing, it seemed to me. And they did it very well. They pressed pressed really well, but it just meant that they had no no cutting edge in the final third. And I think they'd they'd only had one shot on target before that that sort of bicycle kick. So look, it was what what a privileged position for Chelsea to be in to be sort of going into a Champions League semi-final with with such ease and 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 let's be honest sort of with such a uh, underwhelming game that it was that comfortable that that we're kind of like we're not we're not sort of no one at Chelsea celebrating a great performance but they didn't have to be great. They didn't have to get out of first gear because Let's be honest; they won it in the first leg.
3: Yeah, and as you pointed out on Twitter, lots of similarities with with Benfica in in 2012 yeah. at this stage. Actually, uh, let's get to some Twitter questions. Here's at Hot Cross Nuns asking: How does Tuchel juggle building fluency and form with fatigue? The same front three that dominated Palace looked off it tonight. Is the answer rotation, or are the players fit enough but just not mentally able to keep going again and again? match after match. Um, Liam, you can understand why why he went for the same three after they have been so effective against Palace.
4: Yeah, I think, you know, Chelsea's attacking units have offered such inconsistent encouragement since Tuchel came in. And obviously the tactical decisions Tuchel has made have, have fed into Chelsea's attacking struggles because keeping five men behind the ball at all times um, has a cost at the other end of the pitch. And, and you can struggle to create on occasions against teams that, that sit deep and set up to frustrate you. Um, so in that context, I thought the way that they played against Crystal Palace made it the sensible choice to stick with that unit, not just the goals they scored, but how fluent they were, how fluid they were in terms of their interchanging of positions, of pressing, how well Havertz kind of linked play, as well as making the traditional centre-forward runs to, to set the table for everything, and I do actually think if if Porto hadn't been so committed to giving Pulisic the Eden Hazard treatment and, and stopping Chelsea's transition threat, I think we would have seen a lot more of Chelsea as an attacking force in the game. And they were, as Simon says, they were also undone by their own poor execution and decision-making when they did get those transition situations. And that is something that we've seen a lot. It's something that if they do end up falling short in the Champions League and the FA Cup, that will probably be the likeliest reason why. And Tuchel made the point afterwards that this is a young team in the attacking third of the pitch. That's a point Lampard made as well. Um, And I think it's something Chelsea are just going to have to live with regardless of who Tuchel picks on a given day.
3: On a semi-related note, here's one from CFC PYS asking, do you think Chelsea have what it takes to go all the way or are we a bit like the Ajax side that have quality but lack experience. Kind of difficult to say them with us not knowing who they're going to be playing in in the semi-final, but but what would your immediate reaction to that be? Well,
5: they're in the semi-finals, so I mean it's they can, of course they can go all the way. I mean it's yeah, it's I think it'll be the the, the tests will be sterner from now on in. Although they as Liam made in, the point in his piece this morning, they, they've already seen off Atletico Madrid. Um, and that was arguably the the most daunting tie they could have been given in the in the last sixteen. Okay, Porto. Everybody wanted Porto in the quarterfinals, um, and and Chelsea have seen them off pretty effectively over the two legs. It, it will get trickier from now on in, but I think I think Chelsea would fancy their chances against Liverpool, if I'm honest. Um, and Real Madrid. A bit of unknown. We 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 spent most of the build up to, to the knockout phase saying that Real Madrid aren't the team that they, they have been in previous years. Now that they, their recent form might, buck that trend slightly and, and 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 suggest that they've still got the pedigree to, to do well in this competition. But Chelsea are on the right side of the draw, really, um, and they've got a wonderful chance of, getting into a third European Cup final, which would be, would be quite a feat, really, for such a young team.
3: And I suppose, Simon, Liam mentioned Chelsea's deficiencies occasionally in attack. Would you rather it be that way and the defence be so sturdy? You know, if you're not going to concede a goal, you've always got a chance of nicking one, I guess.
1: Yeah, because we saw under Frank Lampard that the issue was that, yeah, Chelsea may have been a bit more entertaining, but they are also um, very vulnerable on, on the counter and conceded a lot more goals. So, look, Chelsea are very tough to beat. And when, you're, when you are tough to beat uh, and score against, then it inevitably does give you more of a chance than if you, you play open, expansive football. Uh, particularly as Chelsea's, let's be honest, their open, expansive football, um, it's shown an occasion, but it wasn't consistently uh, a threat, especially in, in big games. They lost quite a few of the big games. So, um, no, I, I I just think, who, who gave Chelsea a chance in 2012? <laughs> and and that and that was a team blessed with you know the greatest players in in Chelsea's history a lot of them and they had Barcelona and Bayern Munich were completely outplayed let's be honest in three games but lifted the trophy sometimes football is is crazy crazy things happen and Chelsea have a chance and that's an awful lot more than many of us suspected back in January when Chelsea were on a losing run and everything seemed to be going wrong and and of course, there was a change in manager, and it, it, we we didn't see this coming, and so anything from now is is a real bonus. And and I've I've kind of written, uh, I wrote a piece for the final whistle last night, saying even if Chelsea fall short now in the Champions League, the FA Cup, and and the top four race, I think Tuchel has shown enough to to prove that he is the right man for the job, and and it's a fantastic achievement that he's done because you have to weigh up all the conditions that he found himself in when he took over. It's never easy for a manager to come in mid-season. It was a split dressing room. He didn't have the time to work with the players to sort of really introduce what he wants. And yet here we are in a Champions League semi-final. It's, it's remarkable.
3: Yeah, if you want to read that piece and you're not currently a subscriber, head to theathletic.com slash ChelseaPod to sign up now. Well, Chelsea don't have long to wait for their first semi-final of the season, we'll preview the FA Cup clash with Manchester City next.
2: FX is Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX, stream on Hulu.
0: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Saturday at
3: 5.30 UK time, Chelsea will take on the might of Manchester City in the FA Cup semi-final at Wembley. It's the second time the Blues have faced men from Manchester at this stage of the competition in as many seasons after last term's victory over United. Uh, We're recording the pod before City's Champions League tie with Dortmund on Wednesday night. Liam, there's not a massive advantage for Chelsea having played 24 hours earlier, I suppose, is there? Not, Not unless it goes into extra time in Germany.
4: No, no, I think there'll be more than enough recovery time for both teams, to be honest. Um, Mateo Kovacic aside from Chelsea's perspective, because Tuchel's already confirmed that he will almost certainly miss that game. And that that is a big blow for Chelsea, particularly when you're looking at the way City like to play, the way they like to press and, and make you uncomfortable with the ball. Kovacic is one of Chelsea's best weapons for beating an opposition press and turning defence into attack. Uh, so so that's a that's a blow, I think, for Tuchel's tactical planning. But we've seen, you know, with the defensive structure that he's built, Tuchel has, has the ability to make this a very close semi-final, a semi-final that might be decided by one goal. City aren't quite as high scoring these days, might live to regret that comment, but they, they're not. They are a little bit more focused on this formidable defence that Pep Guardiola has recalibrated around, um, and, and on controlling games through possession. So it's really actually quite a clash of quite similar styles. Um, so I'm quite interested to see how it plays out at Wembley. I think it, the likeliest result is is a low-scoring game and a, a, a tight match that is decided by the finest of margins. And within that context, I think you have to say that Chelsea have more than a, a puncher's chance.
3: Dom, I guess... Uh... Thomas Tuchel will be will be studying what Marcelo Bielsa did did last week against Manchester City. Unique circumstances with the red card, of course, but but there are things that that Chelsea can can take from how Leeds approach that game, maybe into this one.
5: Possibly, although Leeds' schedule isn't as onerous as Chelsea's, and I don't know whether Chelsea would have the physical capacity to do what Leeds did in terms of the running. And we also have to acknowledge, and, and I don't know whether this has been done quite enough on the back of that excellent win for Leeds, but that wasn't anywhere near a Manchester City first team. It was a very much a, a side that was in between two Champions League ties with um, Borussia Dortmund. So let's not get too carried away. I don't, I don't think City are, are there for the taking as such. It's It's... It sounds or feels as if this might be an occasion where, where Pep plays the Aguero Jesus City as opposed to the City with a solid defence and everybody else is an attacking midfielder and just floating around all over the place. And and that that might potentially be slightly to, to Chelsea's advantage. I imagine it's, it might be slightly easier to... To track um, single strikers who are playing in sort of authentic forward roles, uh, than than this sort of fluent, fluid system that that City have used on numerous occasions this season. But but whatever whatever team he puts out, it's going to be a hell of a challenge for for Chelsea to overcome. That even even with that result against Leeds, there's so much momentum behind City, um, and they're they're so clearly the best team in this country so it'll it'll take Chelsea really stealing themselves and putting in a hell of a shift to, to get through the, the cup tie
3: What about the, the Chelsea team selection Simon? We remember what happened the last time that, that Chelsea and City met at Wembley and the Kepa Sarri drama
5: But he's refusing to go It's extraordinary Three minutes of stoppage time has been indicated, but
2: Maurizio Sarri, with all justification, he can't back, his down, no. he can't back down. He's got to force him to come up. He's made his decision. He's got to stand his ground, Sarri.
3: Can't let the player win in this situation. Looks like he has that. Are we past the stage when you get to the semi-final that, that you play your number two goalkeeper?
1: I would like to think so. I, I think it would be a, a big call to, to bring in Kepa for a game of this magnitude. Especially when you know you're in for a busy evening, <laughs> I think we can safely assume the shots will be firing in. And and uh, as well as Kepa's played when he has come in this season, I think it's a big call to 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 make a change in the goalkeeping department. Not that Mendy was at his best against Porto midweek, um, although the only really big faux pas he made was that that silly pass out in the in, in the first half, but. No, I think you got to stick with with Mendy. Um, Tuchel may go a different path, but it'd be a strange decision. There is that sort of strong bond, that strong connection with the defence as well. That they, they've, you can tell that they've got a really good rapport. The centre backs and and, and Mendy, uh, but I, I just think this is going to be fascinating to see Tuchel's Chelsea against Man City. You know, we saw at the back end of the Lampard reign. It was a one-sided contest. Now we can sort of see how much Chelsea have improved uh, against the best team in the country. And Man City's record against Chelsea in recent years, it's been a very one-sided contest. You know, City have really got the, be- the better of uh, Chelsea uh, on a regular basis. So Chelsea will undoubtedly be the underdogs going into this game, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they cause an upset because they've got they've got that in them now, whereas I don't think they had that before
3: might not be Kepelin, but but there might be a bit of rotation. It's a massive week. I mean, it has been the one just passed, but after City, Brighton come to Stamford Bridge on, on Tuesday, so not much of a turnaround there. And then West Ham, which might be the crunch game of the season, or certainly one of them, to come on Saturday. So it's not as easy as just picking the players who are in form, is it? You've got to, got to manage minutes as well.
4: Yeah, it's it's an absolutely pivotal week for Chelsea's hopes across the other two competitions. And... Tuchel has made noises in the last few days about there being less scope for rotation now and kind of this being the the point in the season where you have to lean on the players that are playing the best, playing the best together, playing the best individually. But as you say, Saturday to Tuesday is quite a big turnaround. We only saw three changes from Palace to Porto. And I think if we see rotation now, it will probably be for the Brighton game you mentioned and that in itself carries risks because brighton are a kind of low budget version of chelsea in that they they're a good possession team not many goals happen in their matches for either team and it it could be um quite a difficult exacting afternoon in in its own right so it's going to be a very very tricky week and a week that at the end of it we'll know a lot more about how this season will will end up for chelsea
1: there is actually an argument that Brighton's a bigger game, you know that it comes down to the old argument, you know what it, what's more important, the trophy or top four, um, the Arsene Wenger trophy, etc. But let's be honest, Chelsea being in the in the Champions League again is bigger for the club than winning the FA Cup. I mean, I'm I'm a traditionalist. I think silverware is, is is massive, but the way the club You know, the ambitions the club have, the money that comes with the Champions League football, the the kind of players they're trying to sign, being in the top four is far bigger than winning the FA Cup. So, of course, Tuchel's not going to see it that way. He's got to to play a strong side against Man City, but you can make a very strong case that beating Brighton is more important for Chelsea's future than beating Man City.
3: Yeah, can't help but think how much easier things would have been if they'd beaten West Brom the other week. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. The last time these two met in the FA Cup semi-final was 2013. City won 2-1. Can anyone remember who got the Chelsea goal that day?
4: 2013?
3: Yeah, we'll cut out that silence. Is it Frank <laughs> Lampard? Nope. Uh... Hmm. Happy chat. Best mate of Eden Hazard. Denver, yeah.
2: Here's Denver Bar, brilliant goal! Chelsea right back in it, and it's Denver Bar
1: who netted the winner in the quarter final against Manchester United.
3: I totally forgotten about this game. It was under under Rafa. Um, oh yeah, mm, weird. Was that Samir Nasri?
4: Did he score? Rings a bell. Yeah. Seems to remember he played well in that game.
1: Yeah, memorable match for all of us. There's a lot of ref of Benitez games that I've forgotten, to be honest.
3: (laughs) Uh, Whatever happens at Wembley on Saturday, we will, of course, react to it in next week's pod.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day or night. Yep, you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
5: Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub,
3: Elsewhere in Chelsea news, the under-23s enjoyed a win against Southampton at Kingsmeadow on Monday. They came from a goal down to win 3-1 thanks to strikes from Tino Anderin, 16-year-old Silco Thomas and debuting Xavier Mboyamba. He's a Dutch defender who joined Chelsea from Barcelona last summer but he picked up an injury in pre-season, hence the long wait for his bow. Uh, The under-18s hammered Aston Villa 7-0 in the under-18 Premier League South on Saturday. This Thursday, they take on Everton in the fifth round of the FA Youth Cup. That's a lunchtime kick-off. You can watch it live via the usual Chelsea platforms. As for the women's team, they're back in action on Friday in another match the club are streaming live. They take on London City Lionesses in the fourth round of the FA Cup. That gets underway at 7pm. It's also been confirmed that the two legs of the Blues Champions League semi-final against Bayern Munich will take place on the 25th of April and the 2nd of May. Chelsea are at home in the second leg of that one. And that'll just about do it for this week. Before we go, let's hear what the chaps have been working on for Athletic subscribers to enjoy. Uh, Simon, you can go first. Oh,
1: joy. I was just sort of thinking, what, what <laughs> have I got to say? <laughs> well, um, on top of the the piece I've written about Thomas Tuchel and, and my point arguing that even if he ends up with achieving none of the targets uh, going over three, that he should stay manager regardless. It has attracted a bit of comment. Uh, from readers saying well that's stating the obvious but um, they they still seem to forget of Chelsea's history in terms of honouring contracts when targets aren't achieved Um, so I I, I put myself on the line to say that even if they lose every game now uh, Tuchel should stay in charge for next season but I'm Probably quite oh, topical. Oh, oh, hold on a second. <laughs> You're saying that if t-
5: Tuchel loses every single game now, no, you, you,
1: don't take me literally. <laughs> you, you should have learned that by now. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Um, and then the other piece uh, that's up on the site, which which actually proved proved the case, was I made a, a strong argument that Timo Werner should now be made to fight a lot harder to get back in the team. I'd, I'd imagine, you know, given the fixed schedule, he, he is obviously going to come back in. There will be some rotation, but I-, I thought the way the front three combined against Crystal Palace did so in a way that-, that Timo Werner hasn't been able to do. Take him out the firing line, give him a role as a super sub, and I I can see him sort of hurting sort of defenses in the second half of games, um, perhaps with his pace. But yeah, I just make a strong argument that uh, that uh, Timo Werner perhaps the time is he's got to earn his spot back in the team rather than just be given it after... In fact, the Porto game is the first time he's been left out of two games in a row by Tuchel out of the first 11. So perhaps he's reading athletic.
3: <laughs> like his predecessor, yeah. Uh, now, uh, Liam, we've, we've spoken already about your piece in the in the wake of the Porto game, but I haven't given you nearly enough time to, to praise Kai Havertz, and you wrote about him post-Palace, so, so plug that piece for us.
4: Yeah, so that was... Uh, a- a standard Y Scout jobby, um, looking in a little bit more detail at, at, at everything Havertz did well in that game, more than than the goal and the assist, um, his movement, the way he dropped deep, and also you know ran off the shoulder of defenders and just made Chelsea's attack tick better than we've seen in a lot of games under Tuchel. Um, so so check that piece out. If you can, that's up on the site at the moment. There's also my match piece on the second leg at Porto, which you'll be relieved to hear is not much about the game itself. Basically just uses the the total lack of tension in the evening as kind of the jumping off point for a broader discussion of of what Tuchel has given this team. The plan, the belief in that plan that has led them to two semi-finals and, and back into the the top four conversation. So give that a read as well and the other big thing I'm working on this week is um, a piece with our Manchester City correspondent Sam Lee on Jorginho uh, who I, I feel like remains a kind of divisive presence among Chelsea fans um, kind of hangover of the, the 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 Sarri era culture war but he's been very big for them in recent weeks Tuchel obviously leans on him heavily And there's also the the matter of, you know, they're just about to play Manchester City and how differently would he be viewed if he joined City and become the passing hub of Pep Guardiola's team rather than uh, joining Chelsea in the summer of 2018. So that's interesting to dig into and and hopefully you'll enjoy that piece.
3: Yeah, looking forward to reading that. Uh, Dom, at the other end of the English Football League spectrum, you you made what I presume was a first visit to Plough Lane last night.
5: Actually, the second visit in in about three weeks. Um, <laughs> so I feel a bit of a regular there now, to be honest. Yeah, it was good. I, I'm doing a, a piece about uh, academy coaches or directors who have stepped up into the, the first team setups at clubs. It seems to be a bit of a fad at the moment. It's almost as if English football has looked at what's happened in the Bundesliga and thought, oh, Thomas Tuchel's not bad. Julian Nagelsmann's not bad. Maybe, Maybe we should go down that route. Um, although every club I go to about this deny that and say that it's all very club specific and that's why they've done that with this excellent candidate they had on in house already. I'm also writing about in a sort of flip what Liam was saying I, on its head, it's uh how Chelsea's pursuit of Pep Guardiola over the years and what might have happened had uh had Pep ever rocked up at Stanford Bridge rather than the Etihad.
3: Um producer Lucy is um Teasing you a little bit here, Dom, she's pointed out that we haven't asked you anything about Palace and the fact that Jeffrey Schlupp came off the bench, but even then, Palace didn't manage to, to rescue a point.
5: He set up the goal, though, in fairness, <laughs> with our only pass in opposition <laughs> territory by the look of things. It's, yeah, very anemic performance from uh, from my brave boys. Um, and as much as it was a very impressive one from Chelsea, I wouldn't be getting too carried away on the basis of a dismissal of... Uh, of a very disjointed and, and passive Crystal Palace team last weekend. Um, yeah, very disappointing. I was rather hoping they might lay a glove on, on Chelsea, but, um But no, I'll just have to put up with Liam and Simon's barbs for a while yet.
4: Just incapable of giving Havertz any credit. Just (laughs) unbelievable.
5: What was scary was Christian Pulisic scoring exactly the same goals. (laughs) I'm actually going to Celeste Park again on Sunday to get my my COVID vaccine. um, And (laughs) I I fully expect to have a far more enjoyable afternoon on Sunday than I did last week. Or probably at any point in the last 30, 40 years. Indeed. <laughs> Brutal. Coming from a forest fan, that means absolutely, <laughs> absolutely nothing. <laughs> that's fair.
4: Hey, it's a guaranteed shot on target, at least Dom.
3: Hey, well, let's hope you know, so, you know, eh? <laughs> Excellent. Right, we'll be back next week. Until then, from Dom, Liam, Simon, producer Lucy and me, many thanks for your company today. We'll catch up with you again soon.
5: The Athletic.
2: Brought to your ears by The Athletic, I'm Adam Hurry and Football Clichés is the podcast you never knew you needed. Every week, to quite unnecessary depth we examine the words, the phrases, the accepted wisdom, the mannerisms, the habits, the gestures, the symbols, the sounds and the smells that everyone takes for granted in football, but which really are the glorious glue that holds it all together. For example, have you ever really listened to the Football League Goals Roundups? I mean, really listen to them? Because they all sound pretty much like this. Team X went into this game with just one win in their last 13 and when Team Y took the lead inside four minutes at Stadium Z, the home fans were probably starting to fear the worst. But Striker A had other ideas and this game turned on its head in the space of five minutes midway through the second half. First, a smart finish from the edge of the box brought Team X level and he repeated the trick on the hour mark to bring his tally for the season to 22. By now, Team X were in the mood and although striker A squandered a guilthead's edged chance to complete his hat-trick, on-loan Dutchman winger B made it three with a curling effort from long range. Team Y's misery was compounded in stoppage time when midfielder C's late challenge on fullback D saw them reduced to ten men. An afternoon to forget for manager E's men then, but Team X will hope they have finally turned a corner under caretaker boss manager F. Listen to Football Clichés wherever you get your podcasts and also ad-free when you subscribe to The Athletic.